You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody, to the Sunday two-hour edition of Famer Fantasy Baseball. If you've been listening to this for a while, you realize that uh, I'm here an hour earlier. So, but starting uh, at 12 Eastern, 9 Pacific, in the morning, uh, earlier uh, than, than we have the last several weeks. And uh, the good news about that is that I can actually get to some of the lineups on those East Coast games, and uh, it'll actually be helpful for some of you uh, who have those daily lineup locks. So um, do my best to get to some of those. But, of course, the big news that I have to get to right away is Bryce Harper had his MRI this morning. Uh, as I'm sure you know, last night uh, injured his knee. It looked like very badly running to first base and uh, looked bad. Look like a season under to me, probably to a lot of you as well. Uh, the MRI did not reveal any structural damage, just a significant bone bruise. So that sounds like really good news and compared to what it could have been and, and what uh, I certainly thought it was going to be. That is good news. If uh, there's bad news for fantasy owners, it's that the uh, reports are that it's not definite that Harper is going to play again this year. So, uh, yeah, bone bruise can be a, a, a bad, bad thing. Uh, certainly better than uh, any sort of tear uh, or, or strain, but uh, no timeline yet for Bryce Harper to return. Possible he could return this year, but not definite. Uh, so if I see anything further on that, that's going to be uh, just about the biggest news I could share with you. So uh, I'm going to keep my eyes my eyes open for that. Uh, also in some Nationals news, Steven Strasburg is going to start a rehab assignment on Monday with uh, the Potomac Class A club, and he's going to throw about 75 pitches, according to Masson. So Strasburg working his way back from the DL. The Brewers uh, acquired Neil Walker yesterday for a player to be named later. Uh, I know he was supposed to be with the team today. Uh, there is a Brewers lineup out, and Walker's in it. He's hitting cleanup and playing third base. Interesting. Well, uh, and again, that's related to Travis Shaw, who also got hurt yesterday, fouled the ball off of his foot, was in a walking boot uh, post-game. So Shaw not in the lineup. Uh, Neil Walker at third. So Jonathan VR in the lineup at second. But assuming Shaw gets well soon, and I, I don't know what the timeline is there, uh, I would think that Walker would be getting the bulk of the reps over at second base, which would not be good for Jonathan VR's uh, fantasy value. But uh, Eric Sogard also, by the way, in the game, uh, it uh, started to get shortstop. I know uh, Oswaldo Garcia has had some bad at-bats recently. May have to do that, or maybe just a day off. Anyway, a lot more news to get to, to start pitchers later on in the show with Jim Finch. All kinds of analysis, so stick around. I'll be right back after this short break.
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And that little gravel hitch you just heard in, in my voice, that is the result of probably eating too many Brazil nuts during the break. So I apologize. Try to have a clearer voice for the next uh, time we come back from break. Anyway, uh, lots more news to get to. Injury news, lineup news. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka has been placed on the DL with right shoulder inflammation. And, um, you know, that's a, it's been a frustrating season to be a Tanaka owner. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had seemed to be turning things around prior to Saturday. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been really hard to peg, uh, you know, whether or not you can trust Tanaka. But it seemed like he had finally been getting kind of a groove. Uh, clearly something off uh, in his last start and uh, now on the DL with right shoulder inflammation. So I have not seen anything in terms of the Yankees uh, plans uh, for uh, the rotation longer term, but uh, I would think that probably that would uh, bode well for Jordan Montgomery, who had a a scare this weekend uh, getting hit by a foul ball during batting practice. But um, I'm assuming he's uh, good to go for today. In fact, I will just double check that for you real quick. Um, But anyhow, so Tanaka out of the rotation for the time being on the DL. And um, sorry about that. I'm uh, having a little trouble here finding the Yankees info. I'll get back to that because I don't want to hold up the show here. Anyway, uh, there it is. Uh, That's the... Uh, Sunday night game at 8 o'clock Eastern, and Montgomery is still the scheduled starter against uh, Chris Sale and the Red Sox. Anyhow, uh, Dustin Pedroia back on the DL again with the knee issue, left knee inflammation. Uh, Miguel Cabrera left Saturday's game early with lower back stiffness. He is out of the Tigers lineup for today. Uh, You've got John Hicks batting fifth and playing first base. So uh, with Hicks playing first base, you've got uh, James McCann once again behind the plate. He never takes a day off. So uh, uh, John Hicks being called into a first base duty there for the Tigers. No Miguel Cabrera. Not looking like a great week to trust Cabrera uh, going into the next week, week 20. Uh, I would think that back issue is something that could linger quite a bit. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a DL stint involved for Cabrera or not. But what we do know is he is not starting uh, today for the Tigers. Jason Kipnis also out of the Indians lineup. He's been dealing with an aggravation of his hamstring injury for several days now. Don't know if he's going back on the DL, but uh, definitely not looking good right now to start Kipnis for uh, week 20. Jed Jerko was a late scratch on Saturday. He's got right knee irritation. And uh, as far as the Cardinals lineup today, it it, it is out. That's a 115th start central uh, at Bush Stadium. And uh, I do not see, no, there is no Jed Jerko in the Cardinals lineup. So uh, you got Greg Garcia over at third base, batting eighth. Uh, against R.A. Dickey, and it's Michael Waka going for the uh, for the Cardinals this afternoon. 
So a whole bunch of players that you really got to check up on as you get your Monday lineups uh, ready. Mark Melanson, however, was activated on Saturday off the DL. That was anticipated for several days. So uh, he presumably resumes his uh, role as the Giants' closer. And Matt Kemp, according to Dave O'Brien of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it's expected that he will be activated this coming Friday. So good to know. No uncertainty there. If you're in a weekly league, not enough playing time to justify starting Kemp this week, but his activation just around the corner. So the good thing to know there uh, for uh, Matt Kemp owners. And in terms of the lineups that are out, they are all out for the uh, East Coast games, the 1 o'clock games. I've already mentioned several things. Got the Giants at the Nationals. Uh, that's actually the very first pitch this afternoon coming up in uh, about 50 minutes. No Buster Posey in the Giants lineup. So Nick Hundley behind the plate there. Uh, Ryder Jones at first base. Uh, also, uh, no Brandon Belt, of course. Uh, Nationals, uh, pretty, pretty standard lineup for them. Uh, again, just kind of taking a quick look. No Matt Weeders today. Jose Lobatone uh, batting eighth and catching. So uh, that's your uh, Giants and Nationals. And uh, I'll uh, catch you up. There's, uh, like I said, all the 1 o'clock lineups are out. Uh, some of the 2 o'clock lineups Eastern are out. So as those start to roll in, I'll get you get you caught up there. Uh, but let's get to some of the performances from Saturday. And somebody I certainly a few days ago would not have anticipated talking about on the show, Chris Rowley, making his major league debut on Saturday for your Toronto Blue Jays, uh, went up against the Pirates. Not overwhelming minor league numbers, but, you know, pretty good last couple of years. Not a big strikeout pitcher, but uh, nice control numbers. Called into action uh, for the Blue Jays, who have really, uh, you know, been been uh, having trouble filling those back end spots of the rotation. And Raleigh did quite well against the Pirates in his first start. He went five and a third innings, just gave up one run, only three strikeouts, but just one walk and five hits. So a very nice debut for Chris Raleigh. Uh, he, by the way, was signed by the Blue Jays as an amateur free agent out of West Point. And uh, actually had to postpone his baseball career for a couple of years for military service. Uh, but this is Major League debut and a nice one for Chris Rowley. Not such a, a good uh, start yesterday for Luis Severino or for Sean Manaya. Manaya's in particular, uh, very short, but a lot of damage done in, in a short time. Only got one out before being removed in the first inning. And allowed six runs on six hits and a walk. Did not get a strikeout. This against the Orioles. And uh, has been uh, spreading around the internet like wildfire. That uh, Manaya's velocity is down considerably. Uh, really for the third start in a row. Only 90.3 miles an hour in that brief start on Saturday. And typically prior to, again, the last three starts where it's been down. Uh, it had been hovering right around 92, sometimes 93. So that's definitely a significant de decrease in velocity for Manaya. So I, I don't know beyond that what's wrong, but uh, definitely means that you really can't trust him going forward. As, as I would assume he makes his next start, but 
not uh, not going well for Mania lately, and now we have a little better understanding why. Severino uh, did make it into the fifth inning, but uh, after four and a third was lifted, after allowing 10 runs, eight of those earned on eight hits and two walks with four strikeouts against the Red Sox. Uh, this one really came out of nowhere for Severino, who's been pretty consistent all year long. And over his previous five starts, didn't allow any more than one earned run in any of those. It was either zero earned runs or one earned run in each of his previous five starts. So really kind of hitting even a higher gear of late and just blowing up against the Red Sox. So barring any further information, I'd have to say probably just one of those starts for Severino. Actually thought about... uh, making a, a buy-low bid on him in, in one particular league where I needed a pitcher. Um, I, I think it probably, it, it, look, I mean, it depends on the league, depends on the owners. I'm guessing you know somebody who's owned Severino all year long is, is going to be no more alarmed than I am about this one bad start. Same thing with Jimmy Nelson, too. I mean, can't hurt, I suppose, to ask on those two because they both have been very consistent and are coming off just horrendous starts. Uh, in the end, I opted for Luis Castillo, by the way, in that trade uh, with a very nice-looking nice, uh, look, nice looking two-start week coming up, hopefully a nice two-start week. But, uh, yeah, Severino, uh, maybe a good time to check in. If your trade line trade deadline hasn't passed yet, and in some of my leagues, uh, today is the trade deadline. So uh, you might not have a lot of opportunity to make that kind of play on a, a Severino or uh, uh Jimmy Nelson. So uh, anyway, got a lot more of these Saturday performances that deserve a closer look, deserve a little bit of a breakdown. Going to take a look at the the pitcher who, uh, at least in terms of statistically, the statistical line came out on top of last night's Ramirez versus Ramirez showdown. Uh, Patrick Corbin, sort of a uh, confusing mixed bag for him lately talk about his latest start and uh some state out hitters as well so time to head to break but uh, i will be right back after just a few Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior. And uh, it's time for me to tell you just a little bit about the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network, and particularly the app, which allows you to take us with you wherever you go. Just download the fantasy sports radio app right now on the iTunes store or on Google Play, and then you'll be able to listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or with Jake Seeley when you are out jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and take the experts with you. Uh, let's just do a quick check-in on the weather. Looks pretty good throughout the uh, most of the majors today, a lot of games being played indoors too, which definitely makes your lineup setting a lot easier. Uh, but uh, perusing 
the information here on uh, Roto Grinders from the chief meteorologist Kevin Roth. The one game that looks a little tricky today, and it looks like maybe more of a, uh, a delay risk than a, a cancellation risk, would be the Astros and the Rangers at Arlington. That's a, a 105 start, or I'm sorry, a 205 start Central Time. And at game time, it's a predicted 24% chance of uh, precipitation, a little higher before game time, a little lower after. So that sounds like a good trend. Like, again, maybe just a delay and not a situation where uh, maybe it's a mid-game delay, which, of course, is the worst because you go ahead and you you start your players and your, the pitchers in particular, and then, uh, you know, maybe they're only in there for like two innings. So that that always is a bummer uh, when that happens. Not Aaron Bummer, by the way. Uh, but uh, for that uh, game, uh, Astros... Rangers Astros lineup is out. Rangers is not. That's the Dallas Keuchel, Andrew Kashner matchup. And for whatever it's worth, um, and maybe this is something you can still do something about if you've got a rolling lineup block, or, or you know, it's not even first pitch yet, so not even necessarily a rolling lineup block. But uh, for the weekly Sunday streamers column that I write for FanRag Sports, I made the argument that it's really better to just not start Dallas Keuchel today. Um, it's not gone well for him since coming off of the DL. And the thing is that he's not been able to do the thing that he's done extremely well when he's pitched, pitched at his best, whether that was two years ago when he won the Cy Young or earlier this season when he seemed to be back in that, that Cy Young type form, which is get, get work really frequently outside the zone. Don't give batters good uh, good pitches to hit, and particularly you know working low in the uh, either in the zone or just below the zone, which you would expect from Keuchel uh, because again he relies very heavily uh, on sinker. But um, he's not really been able to get that kind of deception since coming off the DL. And in his last start, he had his highest percentage of pitches in the strike zone of any start this year. So I guess maybe figuring, I'm just kind of trying to uh, you know, hypothesize here, but maybe figuring that, uh, you know, since he wasn't getting swings and misses uh, outside of the zone, he'd work a little more in the zone, and, and he got just clobbered. So it's just a bad set of trends for Dallas Keuchel. Uh, the Rangers don't typically hit lefties all that well, but I'm not sure there's any matchup I would necessarily trust Keuchel with. This afternoon, even if it were, you know, like the Giants or the Padres or some team that, uh, you know, just doesn't generally uh, produce much offensively. So for whatever that's worth. And as far far as the uh, Astros lineup is concerned, pretty much standard fare. uh, Got Marwin Gonzalez in at shortstop. Uh, They've sort of uh, Astros have kind of mixed and matched with Carlos Correa out, but it's uh, Marwin Gonzalez today. And um, with uh, Alex Bregman playing third and batting third. All right. Anyhow, let's get back to uh, some of those performances from Sunday. Uh, talked about a few of the pitchers, uh, particularly those that had disappointing starts. Sean Mania, Luis Severino. So let's uh, make this a little bit more of an upbeat segment and talk about some pitchers who did really well. Avenger. A very, very nice outing against the Rays. Seven scoreless innings. 
uh, just one walk, which is perhaps the most encouraging thing to me in this line, and four hits, which of course is also nice, and nine strikeouts. Strikeouts are really no surprise from Clevenger, but if there's a, a worry for him, it's uh, that sometimes he's a little too wild. I think the Rays are a nice matchup for a pitcher uh, you know, like Clevenger, or for that matter, talking about Dallas Keuchel, you know, the type of pitcher that doesn't work much in the zone and really relies a lot on getting a lot of bad contact. Or, but in Clevenger's case, he just misses a lot of bats too. So that certainly helps to defray any concerns that you have about a few walks that he might give up, but only one walk against the Rays. Patrick Corbin, I, I have to say, I, I was happy to see this good start from him, and not just because I have him in a couple leagues, but maybe it's Diamondbacks fans, or maybe it is fantasy owners. I, I think Corbin, maybe more so, is, is a frustration to uh, the fans of his team. Uh, <laughs> that uh, he, you know, he's not had a lot of starts like this one, where he went six, six and two thirds innings, didn't allow a run. This against the Cubs, uh, so scoreless with one walk and five hits, eight strikeouts. I mean, that's a really nice start. And Corbin overall has put up really good numbers for a long time, but he he occasionally does have the stinker. And really, the two starts before this one were not very good for Corbin. But I just saw a lot of people complaining about him on social media. And I thought, am I am I perceiving this wrong? Uh, because I thought that Corbin had gotten into a pretty nice groove and sort of after the last couple of starts, looked at him more along the lines of the way that I looked at, not, not a, you know as being that high end, but the way that I talked about Luis Severino or Jimmy Nelson for that matter. Okay, it's a bad start, but there's been enough consistency there that it's way, way, way premature to panic. I was feeling that way about Corbin, although, again, just to, to be absolutely clear, I don't expect a level of performance from him when he's at his best that I expect from either uh, Severino or Nelson. But I didn't quite understand uh, the the Twitter hate that was going Patrick Corbin's way. And just to, to kind of reaffirm that, including yesterday's start and including the two starts before that, that weren't very good. Over his last 12 starts, Corbin has a 3.65 ERA. Okay, now, if I just stopped there, you'd say, what's the big deal? That's not so great. But remember, there's a couple of bad starts mixed in there. Uh, but wait, there's more, as they say on TV infomercials. Over those 12 starts, he's pitched a total of 69 innings. Uh, over those innings, 79 strikeouts and 20 walks. Those are really good ratios, especially the strikeout ratio. And that is backed up by a 14% whiff rate, which is phenomenal. So I think Corbin's a case where maybe, you know, because that ERA is not so great. And look, you know, pitching at Chase Field, that's that's tough on a lot of pitchers. So maybe to fans, he's a little bit frustrating or maybe more than a little bit frustrating. To fantasy owners, I don't see what there isn't to love here. Yeah, he's going to have the occasional bad game. He's going to give up uh, the the home run sometimes. Now, if I have, and it's not, it's far from a beef, just a kind of a minor minor gripe with Corbin is that he has been very inconsistent in terms of getting the ground ball. Towards the end of last season, he was terrific uh, in, in in pretty much all regards, but he was doing it out of the bullpen. 
this season he's had stretches where he's looked like that pitcher where he not as not only missing bats but getting a lot of ground balls and a lot of soft contact he's not really been able to do that latter thing very consistently but i still think that the overall results over a 12 start stretch which is which is long you know can't really call it a small sample alert uh that that those results pretty much speak for themselves so there are, there wouldn't be too many weeks at this point where I wouldn't start Patrick Corbin. Whole different thing. I mean, back in, in May and June, uh, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I dropped him in at least one league. I know I did. But um, yeah, at this point, he's definitely earned my trust. Now we had a Ramirez versus Ramirez matchup in uh, Seattle last night. Uh, Erasmo versus J.C., and, uh, you know, J.C. Ramirez is, they, well, really, they've been, you know, both pitchers that certainly give you reason, reason to distrust them. Ramirez has not been in a rotation for that long, was, was moved into a starting role after getting traded from the Rays to the Mariners. Uh, but it was Erasmo that came out on top last night in terms of the, the, the fantasy value. Now, the Angels actually rallied. I'll talk about that in a second. But Ramirez, for his part, did his part against the Angels, going six innings and not allowing an earned run. Did allow one unearned run on three hits and just one walk, but got just one strikeout. So uh, it's it's a good start. I chalk a lot up to the matchup against a team that, uh, you know, I talked about the Padres and the Giants earlier. Uh, the Angels are, are one of the better matchups in the major leagues. Playing in either of their parks, the Mariners Park or the Angels Park, you know, is something that's going to help just about any pitcher. But uh, at least you know, give Ramirez, Erasmo Ramirez credit. Got to give his first names here. Uh, give him credit for taking advantage of J.C. Ramirez. Uh, just a, a, an okay start. Really not, not a great start. Um, he's been very inconsistent. And I made the case last time. You take away uh, a bad start against the Dodgers, and actually his numbers look pretty good. But didn't really get it done this time around. So talk a little bit more about that Mariners-Angels game after the break. Uh, and get down to some other standout performances. So uh, stick around. I'll be right back. Melchior and... uh, Got quite a bit more to get to as we get closer and closer to uh, game time. Now just about uh, 25 minutes from first pitch. Uh, So uh, as I said before the break, got uh, lots of action from yesterday to break down as we head into the second hour of the show. Focus more on what's going on uh, in the actual real-time games, uh, real-time action. Uh, but uh, like I also said earlier, I'll do my best to try to you know, keep you on top of the lineups. Uh, I had already mentioned the Brewers lineup. One thing I did not get to and all that kind of went through the whole infield situation with uh, Travis Shaw being out uh, with that foot injury. Uh, also, no Keon Broxton in that lineup against Sal Romano in the Reds. You got Hernan Perez getting his start in center field. Don't recall that. I you know he's very versatile, plays all over the place. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he's had some starts in left field. Don't recall him playing center before this year, but uh, 
could be wrong about that. Uh, you do have uh, Braun in left, Domingo Santana and right there. Uh, so pretty much have covered almost the entire Brewers lineup. Now, they've also got Matt Garza on the mound. In fact, why don't I just complete it? Uh, Manny Pena behind the plate, but uh, that's uh, how they normally roll uh, there at uh, Miller Park. So there you go. Uh, all right, well, let me get back to uh, some of the performances from last night. I had left off with talking about the Ramirez showdown, Erasmo versus J.C. Ramirez, with Erasmo having a very nice start, and then the uh, Angels got to the Mariners' bullpen. Uh, I think it was Tony Zick, actually, that took the took the loss there. Um, but uh, also a story there in terms of the Angels' bullpen. And, man, that's been a story for really a few weeks, as Bud Norris, uh, really over about a two, two-and-a-half-week period, uh, Mike Sosha kept going back to him, and, and he just wasn't getting it done uh, and not just, you know, not just blowing saves. I mean, blowing them in, in pretty spectacular fashion. And I, I have to wonder if he's just not a hundred percent health wise, because he did have that knee issue where there was a concern. I want to say now it was at least a month ago, maybe even longer ago. And I know I had some concern at that point. Well, maybe he'll go on the DL. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll, he'll have some time off and he just came right back from it. But he really was never the same since then. Uh, so finally, earlier this week, that uh, Sosha came out and, and said, yeah, we're, we're taking, I think his words were a half step back for Bud Norris, which is, I think, <laughs> about the most unclear way you could say you're removing somebody from the closers role. But then what has followed in the wake of that statement has just been confusing. And maybe it's not really that confusing it's just to, to us fantasy owners we want to know who the darn closer is right <laughs> we, we want to know we want to know at least what the what the pattern is and uh so uh so uh cam Bedrosian got the uh save on saturday and you had uh kenya middleton in the or uh sorry keenan just uh reversed a couple letters there keenan middleton uh reversing uh sorry uh, pitching in the seventh and then you had uh, Blake Parker pitching in the eighth. And um, it looked like right around that time that Sosha made the statement that he was taking that half step back from Bud Norris, Parker was pitching in the eighth really consistently. And then I think they may have been that very same night that Parker pitched the ninth with a four-run lead. And so that's typically what you you see a lot of times is that managers, you know, they're not playing fantasy manager. They're playing real manager. So they don't necessarily care if it's a two-run or three-run or four-run lead. They they want to protect that lead with the closer. And so she went with Parker in, in that game and then turned around and, and used Bedrosian the next light, night in an actual save situation and then followed that up with Yasmero Petit in the next save situation. So you've had some combination of Middleton, Bedrosian, and Petit saving games in the past week. Uh, no Blake Parker in actual save situations, and no no Bud Norris. Although I think probably within the last week he was at least being held held back for a save opportunity. I think I don't remember the chronology perfectly, but the point is it's just confusing. It's just confusing. I think it's fair to say, even though Social hasn't come out and said it, 
that it's a committee there in Anaheim. And Bedrosian maybe with having received two opportunities that you know, he, maybe he's the, the lead person. And I would think certainly be between him and Parker. And what we've seen recently is that Bedrosian's gotten to save opportunities and Parker hasn't gotten any. So, you know, I, I would stay away from the situation. If any one of those pitchers that I mentioned, probably with the exception of Middleton, because he's just not been that consistent. But uh, even Yasmero Petit, I like him a lot. I liked him as a starter. I like him as a reliever. I feel like he's never quite gotten his due and never quite gotten the opportunities. Uh, I, th- I think particularly the fact that you know, he's pitched for the Giants, he's pitched for the, for the Angels, he's pitched in places where his fly ball tendencies won't hurt him as much. I wish he had gotten more of a, uh, a chance as a starter. But I think he'd be fine as a closer. I don't really honestly think he's going to get a whole lot of save opportunities. All I'm just trying to say is any one of those three, Petit, uh, Cambodrosian, or Blake Parker, they'd be fine. I just, for a, from a fantasy perspective, it would be nice to get a very clear signal that one of them is going to get at least the bulk of the saves. Uh, I'm, maybe we're getting that now with Bedrosian. I feel like it's premature. If you got room to stash him, I'd say he's the one of the three to do that with. But I would not get overexcited or overconfident about Camp Bedrosian giving you steady saves because it just seems like Sosha is committed to not committing to anybody. Anyway, back to starters. Edwin Jackson, uh, he went six innings against the Giants and uh, had a very good quality start there. One run on five hits and two walks, five strikeouts. Uh, he now has a 3.86 ERA. So you could look at that and say, hmm, maybe Edward Jackson's having a little bit of a comeback season here. I am highly, highly skeptical. Uh, I think I've already mentioned the Giants like five times in the show as being one of the uh, most favorable matchups. I would say if I were doing power rankings for favorable matchups, I'd actually put the Giants number one. Padres hit, have hit a little bit better recently. Uh, I actually would fear them a lot more than I fear uh, the San Francisco Giants right now as a as an opposing pitcher or, I guess, more accurately, as a fantasy owner who has to choose starting pitchers. So pretty favorable matchup there for Edwin Jackson. And he has allowed nine home runs and 35 innings this season. So the, strangely enough, the strand rate is totally uh, normal for Jackson. So I uh, didn't uh, have time to to dig into it before the show. I suspect a lot of those home runs are solo homers. I don't know how else he has a sub-4 ERA with that kind of home run rate. But I would still stay away from Jackson even in anything but really the deepest of an, of an NL-only league. Uh, so you have, uh, there you have that. Uh, let's move on to some of the hitters. A couple of two-homer performances uh, on Saturday. Jose Abreu hit his 20th and 21st home runs. Uh, three for four game there against the Royals. And Abreu, you know, really quietly is having a nice season. And, you know, at this stage, it's kind of almost comical. But for somebody to just, you know, pass the 20 homer threshold at this point of the season, you know, feels like no big deal at all because of just all of the, the, the crazy power that we're seeing everywhere. And, you know, John Carlos Stanton, you know, homering seemingly every other time he's up lately. 
But Gabriel um, got off to a very slow start this year and has really picked it up for, for some time now. So he's he's must start. I don't think anybody's, or not very many people are, are not treating him as such. But uh, if you're not, get him in your lineup. Now, Andrew Benintendi, I would argue there is a real question mark there about whether or not he is must start. He is pretty much universally owned. He is very widely started. And after Saturday, owners have to be feeling good about that. Hit his 15th and 16th home runs of the season. And I'm sure a lot of people drafted Benintendi thinking, hey, if he finishes the year with, say, 15-plus home runs, that's a bonus. Now, of course, that was back in March when we had no idea there was going to be so much power this season, so such a huge uh, spike in power. Uh, but Ben Attendi has, has definitely uh, been a pleasant surprise in terms of, of power production. What you figured is he was going to hit for a high average, probably get a ton of doubles in that Boston lineup, probably uh, produce a lot of runs. And then uh, anything that you got more than really just a moderate amount of, of home run power, just total gravy from Ben Attendi. Uh, also, speaking of run production, got six RBI in that game against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And that is a key, key thing I want to point out. It was at Yankee Stadium. Benintendi has not really taken advantage of Fenway Park. He doesn't have uh, that many doubles there. He doesn't uh, have a whole lot of production, period, at Fenway Park. Uh, over the course of the season so far, Benintendi at home has a 743 OPS. So for half of his games, he's giving you very, very mediocre production overall. Uh, I have other concerns about Benintendi too. So my, my case against starting him every week extends just beyond looking for other options when the, when the Red Sox are at home. That's pretty bad just right there. But there's more. So we got to go to break. I'll get to the rest of the Benintendi argument afterwards so i'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And uh, with the first pitch just about 10 minutes away, let me give you a couple of lineup updates. Um, Pirates lineup, for some reason, was last minute. But uh, Andrew McCutcheon back in the Pirates lineup. He's batting third and DHing. And uh, Sean Rodriguez over in right field. Adam Frazier in left. And Starling Martin Center. So no Polanco, no Gregory Polanco for you today in the starting lineup. Uh, also no Josh Bell. Got Jose Ozuna against lefty Jay Happ. And I also uh, need to go back to the Astros lineup because uh, before I was talking about uh, the alignment there, totally whiffed on George Springer not being in the lineup. Uh, so he is, he is out uh, against the Rangers and Andrew Kashner. So... Uh, let me just get back to Andrew Benintendi, who I was talking about in the last segment. Not great stats at home. Uh, so 
you know, especially in a three outfielder league, you could probably do better uh, than uh, Andrew Benintendi if he's got, uh, you know, six or seven games at home, given that he's got a 743 OPS there. But he's gotten even worse splits against lefties. 648 OPS. Very, very little production against lefties. So that's not quite as problematic as the home splits. It's not likely to affect you in as many weeks. But when you put those two things together, you see that Benintendi, who's got very nice numbers overall, that, that's very lopsided production against right-handed pitching on the road. So that's something you really have to think about. Not only whether or not to start or sit Benintendi, but is he really worth the roster spot in a 10 or a 12-team league when there are going to be a few weeks where he's not going to be one of your best options to start? I'm just saying. Uh, all right, let me finish up here with a few other hitters who had really nice performances. On Saturday, Justin Upton uh, went two for four with the game-winning two-run homer off of Matt Belisle. That was his 22nd home run of the year. And yes, that meant that Matt Belisle got the blown save and the loss against the Tigers. Had been doing very nicely as the Twins' closer, but that uh, puts him a little bit of an alert with us fantasy owners. I, again, I'm not, I don't think he's anywhere close to losing the job, but uh, you know, a, a slump has to start somewhere. If there's so maybe, uh, you know, if there's uh, future bad performances there, that's a concern for for Matt Belisle and maybe a reason to look into Trevin Hildenberger. Um, I would think that he probably would be uh, the next option. Taylor Rogers, of course, also Uh, Mikey Matt took he's hitting righties this year. I I liked him going to Detroit and, and the potential there to be good against lefties, but uh, went three for five yesterday uh, hit his 11th double and his fourth triple. So the speed certainly making some impact there, even though Matuk only has two stolen bases so far this year. Kind of strange. He's got two stolen bases, but eight homers. So almost a reverse of what I might have expected, but he's batting 305. Uh, so still hitting very well against lefties. I, I think he may be due for some regression against righties, but starting to look like a better option in maybe like a 14-team mixed league all of a sudden. And and depending on the matchups, if there's a lot of lefties, maybe even the occasional week to be streamed in against a righty. And then finally, Randall Grichik, uh, if you're looking for a hot hand to play this coming week, went two for four on Saturday, hit his 15th homer, 21st double against the Braves. And over his last seven games, he's batting 357 with a couple of homers, three doubles and a triple. So it's... Gritchick's had a hard time getting it going this year, but uh, lately it's been going well. So halfway through the show, almost to first pitch, time to take a little bit of break. We'll come back and uh, have even more info and analysis for you. So thanks for uh, joining me today. See you in the next hour. 